Have you tried Music to Code By yet? Well, why not? Here's a comment Joe left on the website. This is also great music to mow by. I like listening to music while doing yard work to help the monotony of it seem less tedious. This past summer, I started listening to these tracks while doing yard work, and they worked great! I could let the music play in the background without focusing on it, and it seemed to help me concentrate on getting through my tasks. Thanks, Joe. And you know, now you can download the entire 13-track collection. That's over five and a half hours of music to code by for only 39 bucks. Check it out at musictocodeby.net. .NET Rocks, episode 1398, with guest Kate Gregory, recorded Friday, December 16th, 2016. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. Here for an hour of Canadian plus one American guy. <laughs> you're you're Fun. girding your loins, are you, my yeah, friend? Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling <laughs> outclassed here and, <laughs> and, and outpolited. I'm going to have to be a little extra rude just oh, to Oh, stick. don't make me please you into submission. <laughs> oh, did that come out right? That didn't come out right. I don't think so. Kate Gregory is here. We're going to be geeking out with her in just a few minutes. But uh, first... I have something interesting for Better Know Framework. Awesome. All right, dude, what do you got? Uh, this is a blog post that I wrote uh, back in December, and uh, it's called Ancient Code. And the Love whole it. idea is that the, and I think I mentioned this earlier, but I didn't actually link to the blog post. Maybe I did. I don't know. But the whole idea is that, you know, there's a lot of old code out there that needs to be maintained. And old guys like you and me, Richard, seem to be the ones to be able to do it. Yep. You know, and we on this show always talk about the newest and greatest and the next and the brightest and all of that stuff. The shiny. Yeah, the shiny. But it seems like there's fewer and fewer people who can touch a, a .NET ASP.NET web forms app and actually know how to fix it. Hmm. You know, without constantly being the guy to say, you know, if you rewrote this, blah, 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 if you rewrote this, because you know what, sometimes the decision has been made not to rewrite it, or at least not for another few, many years. Well, and nobody so, wants to rewrite things, really. Yeah. You know, it's just sort of a, the only way to fix this is to go a different way. That's true. But you know, there's a huge difference between, all right, is this costing us money right. or is it costing us customers and do we just want it to be the newest and shiniest right how do we get this on the cloud how do yeah. we get it in a phone right and then and that's where these rewrite bugbears show up right so it's sort of just a you know a way to say hey you know what the old guys are out here too and a lot of us are working but you know some of us uh, are available for consulting and uh, you know look up Look up the old dogs for old code, for ancient code. No, not, not just old code. 
ancient code. Ancient code. Prehistoric code. I draw the line at DOS. That's right. <laughs> okay. Nothing you can do to make me write another batch file, leave me alone. Yeah, I sort of don't want to do that anymore. But, <laughs> but you know, I mean, it, it takes the right kind of people. It takes the people that have the knowledge and also they don't have that chip on their shoulder that they're right. constantly chirping at you to, you know, rolling their eyes like, right, oh my God, if you only had Ruby, you know. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> wrong with Ruby. But no, it's not no, going to no. save us here. That's right. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. I love it. So it's a good blog post. Check it out. Awesome. Who's talking to us, my friend? Grab your comment off of show 1047. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> 350 episodes ago. That would be the last time we had Kate on the show mm. in October of 2014. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about the evolution of C++ as we are prone to doing. Yeah. And... Regular listener and occasional commenter and previous mug receiver, uh, uh, Anto Almada said, one more great show full of golden nuggets. Ah, awesome. Two years ago, too. It ends brilliantly. It's not admissible for a company like Microsoft to have a mail app, including Outlook, to be for many years an example of how not to develop an app. Right. It may be unfair, but I blame the C++ lobby inside the company more than the interns. Ooh. If you just think, well, and we, I, actually, I think I said this yesterday to someone. It's like, we need to remember that the majority of software developers inside of Microsoft are C++ developers. Well, maybe they were at one time. Maybe they still are. Maybe they still are. That's a good yeah. question. Yeah. This show comes at the right time. C++ was my favorite development language until I found C Sharp and .NET still in its beta state. Whew, okay, 2001. Yeah. I'm right now developing an Android app using C Sharp Xamarin. Oh, and he did this two years ago, dude. Oh, awesome. Oh, sorry. No, come on. <laughs> well, it, it was rough. But with the computer vision portion fully developed as native C++. Oh, that's cool. It's this getting cooler the, by the sentence here. There you go. This may be an example of picking a language because it'll give better perf, but I wanted to use OpenCV, which we've had on the show. Yes. And from all possible scenarios, this looks like the best one. This kind of optimization is much more expensive later than planned ahead of time. Yeah. I always thought of multi-threading as a necessary evil. It's really hard to get it right, especially in C++. The introduction of the TPL, that's the the, Task task Parallel Library, made it a lot simpler. And that's in C Sharp. I've been thinking the last couple of days exactly how I should handle the threading for a computer vision algorithm. Should I use the TPL and pay the price of the multiple p-invoke calls? Or should I have a single p-invoke call and deal with the CC++ threading witchcraft? Mm. I'll have to check what C++11 has to offer now, because that was the show we were talking about, C++11. And I, I really hope that uh, uh, Anto comments to us, lets us know how this went, because this was two years ago. And that's uh, just my two cents from Antau. And uh, thank you so much, Antau, for your comment. We are certainly going to talk about it on the show. It sounds like a very cool project. And that was two years ago. So keen to hear how it went and where that project's at. Absolutely. And to uh, compensate you for your efforts, a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of your social medias because we publish every show to Google Plus and Facebook. And if we comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. And send us a tweet. We use them like spackle for COBOL projects. (laughs) (laughs) Just like spackle. Just like spackle. (laughs) Spackle's just a funny word. You just squish them up into a ball and shove them in the hole and spackle them over. 
That's what you do. All right. It reminds me of backle. Wasn't that the stuff you put in your back to cover up your back acne? Uh, what? Then there's a stuff for of... plumbers called crackle. Is that the same thing too? <laughs> that must be Canadian thing. There you go. I don't know. It's like Smarties. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, let's talk to Kate Gregory. She has been using C++ since before Microsoft had a C++ compiler. Wow. And has been paid to program since 1979. She loves C++ and believes that software should make our lives easier. That includes making the lives of developers easier. And yet she still uses C++. Hmm, (laughs) Interesting. She'll stay up late arguing about deterministic destruction or how C++ 11, 14, and 17 are not the C++. You remember... She's helped thousands of developers to be better at what they do. And Kate is also a Microsoft regional director, visual C++ MVP, an Imagine Cup judge and mentor, and an active contributor to Stack Overflow and other Stack Exchange sites. She develops courses for Pluralsight, primarily on C++ and Visual Studio. Since 2014, she's been a speaker and open content chair for CppCon, the largest C++ conference ever held. Ladies and gentlemen, she turns caffeine into code. It's Kate Gregory. <laughs> Thank you, Carl. You know, people still say that line to me. I don't, how long ago was that? Uh, 2002? 2003? <laughs> caffeine Something into code. like that. And Yeah. Uh, and I go to a conference and people say, hey, are you still turning caffeine into code? And I think, wow, if that's what I've got my one thing to be famous for, thanks. Thanks. She's a, ca- it rocks. <laughs> She's a caffeine to code converter. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I just pulled up cppcon.org and uh, Call for Papers is out. Uh, the show, the next show, September of 2017. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a going concern. September conference, born as the biggest C conference ever and gets substantially bigger each year. Wow. Um, just a ton of fun. Just an absolute. Um, a highlight of my year in terms of energy and excitement and you can meet your heroes and uh, you can meet students who are you know born after I started programming by a significant amount of time yeah. mm. and younger who, than your children to, for example yeah yes yes younger than my children by quite a bit and they're there to learn about C++ because that's their job and uh, they know that this is where they're going to get what they need so they come for a weekend yeah they walk around a little bit starstruck because they're in line for coffee behind the guy who invented the language (laughs) Uh, he doesn't butt in by the way that's awesome yeah (laughs) so yeah we talked to sarah j chips about her work with jewel bots you know sarah sure yeah and i was really fascinated to learn that the the api for jewel bots that she teaches to kids and girls in particular is c plus plus and i thought whoa there you go. Just jump right in, man. Well, it's a very cross-platform language, for one thing. Yeah. And interestingly, if you want to teach C++ the way I think you should, it's actually way easier than the C++ you remember being taught. Yeah. Well, I don't remember being fact, taught C++. I remember being taught C and then trying to that's the deal. wedge C++ into my brain somehow. Yeah. That is exactly how we were all taught. And I made this impassioned plea, uh, not at this year's CppCon, but the year before, called Stop Teaching C, you know, with a subtitle of When You Are Teaching C++, which a lot of people have missed. Yeah. 
because this idea of like on day one, I'm going to teach you C and it's going to be really hard and you're going to hate it. And then on day two, I'm going to be all forget that part. That part doesn't apply. And then maybe on day three, I'll get around to teaching something that's C++ related, but we only have five days. So I'm not going to get around to teaching you templates or lambdas or any of the things that make C++ C++. It speaks more about the teachers, doesn't it? That, you know, we're, we're getting C programmers who learn C++ to teach C++. And they sort of have to forget. And they say, well, yes, that's right. Forget how you learned it. I don't care how you learned it. Here's a great way to learn it. Yep. And a couple years ago, I was asked with another person to do intro to C++ as a one-day course. Wow. Good Lord. (laughs) And like, that can't be done, right? Well, we did it. And we did we we did uh, classes, obviously, and inheritance, and polymorphism, and references, and templates, and um, lambdas, and a little bit of the standard library in one day. Wow! So th- is this native C plus plus or managed? A hundred percent native. Yes, wow. pure no no .dot net part. Just focusing on the language and on the standard library, because if you think about what you remember being horrible about C++ programming, it might, for example, be all those stir copy, stir len, when do you add one, when do you not add one? I had a hard time just getting past includes and getting my H files to include, you know? Uh, just uh, like stim- yeah, simple that's details. Miserable, yes. Yeah, simple details yes. like that. That one we are still working on. So there's something called modules, which is... a I don't want to use the word concept because we have one of these called concepts. It's a thingy, an entity that (laughs) uh, people would like to add into C++, the language. Mm. Uh, And it has been just about ready to add into the language for some time now. (laughs) Uh, There are compilers that support it uh, in experimental branches, but it's supposed to be a solution to the the .h problem. Uh, I mean, look what we did in the managed world. We started with references and assemblies, and then we got into, you know, NuGet and packages and all of that stuff, just because it's a pain in the butt to manage all of that stuff. Especially when things are bundled. Right. You know, it's no good to just include this one header file. You need to include these six header files, and you need to link with these three DLLs. That's really easy to get wrong. Yeah. And and the error messages are not always helpful when right. you do. Yeah, they're more like <laughs> they're more like insults, aren't they? <laughs> Have you ever had an insulting so, compiler? Uh, deliberately so, maybe not, but I've certainly felt insulted. Yes, yeah. <laughs> especially template errors. Um, template errors. I wonder if how how C plus plus programmers pull practical jokes on each other. They change the default messages in the debug output. You know for. <laughs> For for errors, it would include ravenous insults. Yeah. Yes, I could do that. I could write. I could write a debugger visualizer for Visual Studio so that when you hovered over it, it said things like, "Why are you looking at this? This isn't going to help. Don't look at this value. Move along." (laughs) I love that. Don't look there. It's not this. It's not this. Stop looking at it. What are you thinking? Yeah, that's very funny. Yeah. Um. So if you're thinking about getting into C++, but we're always afraid. And, you know, you got into programming in a managed language like C Sharp or Java, like most of the, most of us have, or maybe even JavaScript, a dynamic language, which is, for all intents and purposes, managed. You uh, you may not even know why, 
people use C++, but performance is probably by far and away the number one reason, isn't it? And it just aside from some things can only be done in C++ because you have to be on the metal. Well, that's the cool thing about going to a conference and being surrounded by hundreds of people is that you find out there's hundreds of reasons um, why they're choosing C++. So perf, absolutely. There, There's especially control of performance. Yes. So it may not be any faster to add two numbers or to read a file, but with a garbage collected system, you don't know where the pauses are going to be. Yeah, that's right. With deterministic destruction, you can control when when cleanup happens, and that's often important in, to people. In fact, you can clean up. You can clean up in the background constantly, not just let the garbage pile up, but you can have a background thread that's constantly cleaning up, right? Well, as things are done with, yes. Yeah. But the understanding of the performance characteristics of your app and saying, I'm going to take this hit here and not this hit there uh, is very real. And the other issue is that uh, when you have references, everything is indirected. So in, in the .dem world or the Java world, there's a ton of indirection. If you have a collection, it's probably just a collection of references, and then they all have to be indirected if you want to look at the content of them. So if you want to iterate through something that's a lot slower than if it's a C++ standard library vector, those guys are all in consecutive memory locations, and you can just increment a pointer as yeah. super fast. A- and when I say you can increment a pointer, I mean the standard library code could increment a pointer. Right. Ordinary humans shouldn't be writing code that increments pointers anymore. They, they use a library collection, but I'm saying the under, under the hood, when we finally end up in assembly language, it's a quicker instruction to move from element 12 to element 13. I'm sorry, are we and talking so about doing people, math on pointers? Really? Like, I don't know if that was no, ever the a humans good idea. aren't. Yeah. The humans are not. That's what the library is, right? Yes. But right. if I know the way the, the library is implemented and it's in the standard that vector, all the pieces are consecutive in memory. Right. Which means that iter- iterating through from element to element is just a memory increment. Mm-hmm. I didn't write that code. It's in the library. But I get the speed compared to... Your, your references may be in consecutive memory in the other language, but then you have to indirect. You have to go look at what that refers to to go see the content of it. So that's a perf hit. Right. And then so if you're talking about iteration, you may have five or six different layers of indirection per every entity that you're checking. And so it could take, yes. you know, 10 to 25 times longer to go through one iteration in, in a managed language and than it does in a in native Absolutely. I mean, if your collection is a collection of employees and then each employee has an employment contract and da-da-da-da-da, by the time you get to the number that you wanted to compare or, or find or something, yeah, you could have indirected many times. Which is fine if it's just employees because, you know, okay, if it takes one second or a half a second, it's not going to matter to the end user. But if you're talking about, um, you know, pixels on a screen, that's... Yeah. Uh, and I don't yes. think you're talking one second versus half a second. You're talking about half a millisecond versus 12 milliseconds. Oh, sure. Yeah. But you know what I mean? I mean, and imperceptible to the end user yeah. with business logic. Until it's frame rate, right? Right. Yeah, Until right. it's frame rate. So I can do this all in 10 milliseconds or I can do this all in 100 milliseconds. Wait, 100 milliseconds does not make a good frame rate. Yeah. Then then I'm unhappy. Yes. So, But, but there's also like numerical simulations. So if I'm trying to simulate the stock market, uh, we talked about this when C++ AMP came out, the difference between 
getting your answer overnight and making a call in the morning to do something yeah. and getting the answer in four days yep. when it's useless. Yep. All right. So in terms of complexity, when we look at an object in C-sharp, let's say, with some properties and maybe uh, one of the properties is another class or a collection of other classes and stuff, you know, it, we can sort of keep that mental model in our head. But, you know, you, we have this existential fear of the models being complex once we get down to the pointer levels. I mean, I remember Don Box saying, an object is just a pointer to a pointer to an array of pointers. And my head exploded. And I'm like, you know, all I want to do is set, you know, object.customer.name or whatever. You know, I know I want to know about pointers and pointers and pointers and pointers. But uh, what does it mean when you look at an object, Kate Gregory? What do you see? Well, I don't normally see a lot of pointers. One of the things that we're really pushing for in what we call modern C++ is to have stack semantics. So if you say int x, you know, that x is a stack object. It's, it's not got a lifetime beyond the next brace bracket. It'll just go away. And if I say employee E in C sharp, I'm saying this could refer to some employee and somebody better call new to make me one that it can refer to. Mm -hmm. But in C++, that actually is going to create an instance that lives right there on the stack. And in that same way, when we hit the next brace bracket, close brace, it's going to be cleaned up. It's going to disappear. So if you look at what's in an, an employee, I don't want to have a name pointer or a name indirection of any kind. I just want a solid name. Right. Maybe it's a string. Right. When the object goes away, that string goes away too. Mm -hmm. yeah. And not through any clever coding on my part. I don't have to write any code to do this. I don't have to write a destructor. All the solid member variables disappear when the employee disappears. And so... You so you're talking about a C++ that's closer to C Sharp in the way you use it, but yet has all the power of C++ there if you need it. Correct. I'm not... We used to say the number one rule about C++, whatever you knew, you must delete. <laughs> you know what we say now? If you're, if you're typing new and delete, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> well said. You know, that's just like ev everything's there on the stack. And if it's not on the stack, it feels like it's on the stack, which is what stack semantics means. There's some, there's some trick objects out there. So you're talking about two areas of memory here. And we don't usually talk computer science, but you're talking about two areas of memory. One is a stack that's a local local to you, wherever you are in scope. And another is a heap, which lives outside uh, at the class level. Is that right? Yes, and w which everyone can share. Right. So if one little function creates something on the heap and hangs onto the pointer and then gives it to someone else, that someone else can get a hold of it. Whereas with stack semantics, if I create something on my stack and then I finish, my stack gets torn down and whatever I created on my stack goes away. Right. That is the semantical part, right? You're now using these identifiers, uh, really the, cur the curly braces, to say mm -hmm. these are the things that are related to this object, so they go with. Right. Right. And then I don't write any code to enforce that relationship, that going away together aspect. So when everything was pointers, in order to make the object, you had to run around literally asking for memory and then putting values in it. And then in, when you were cleaning up in your destructor, you had to tear down all that call delete and what have you. It was a ton of work and we usually got it wrong. Right. So the .NET approach was stop doing that. You can, you can have to call new, but you never have to call delete. We'll run the garbage collector. It'll call delete. Right. And the C++ managed. approach is, yeah. that's managed. Yeah. 
the native C++ approach is also stop doing that. Just put the solid objects in the other objects. So if a person object needs to have three strings in it, it doesn't have three string pointers or three string references or three string any next word. It has three strings, period. Then the compiler allocates that memory. Are strings considered a value type then? Just a, just values, not, not with a reference, because a reference type in managed code means there's a pointer somewhere. So you don't need to know when you're writing the code. You can think of it just like an integer. Mm. But the truth is, it's one of these objects whose, it has stuff inside it. So yeah. inside it, it has a pointer. Inside it, it has code that calls new. Mm. And inside it, it has code that calls delete. But, but that was all written by a library writer. Yeah. yeah. Library writers are allowed to think about this stuff. The rest of us, we shouldn't really feel any difference between int and string. Hmm. And that was one of Bjarne's original plans when he invented the language. Wow. A long time ago. Yeah. Like before I started using it, which is, and that's been long enough. (laughs) Um, There shouldn't be any difference between user-defined types and built-in types. And that's why you have templates, operator overloads. They're all for that. Another thing I think managed developers are afraid of when it comes to C++ is the amount of ceremony that it takes to just get started. We like the idea that we can say class, foo, property, whatever, you know, public string, yada, yada, public int. And we don't have all this setup code that we remember from the bad old days of C++ class. How has that changed in 2017? The language still requires certain things. For example, you need to declare your functions typically in a header file, but then you implement them somewhere else in an implementation file. So if you get the idea for a function, that's two places you have to type. The language hasn't changed that yet, but the tools have dramatically improved. Mm. Uh, For a long time, there was this kind of uh, snobbishness about, uh, please, how exhausting is it to type two things? Uh, Don't be such a baby. Yeah, right. Um, (laughs) That's C++'s tagline, isn't it? Don't be such a baby. I think that's a leftover from the C programmer days, (laughs) right? It's like, I wrote this in C. You will not argue with me because I'm a superhero. We don't want any. Yeah, don't give me autocomplete. I've got it all memorized. Yeah. And then sometime in the last like 10 years, it occurred to people that tools could maybe help with some of this. And so uh, if I get a great idea for a function and I just uh, start typing in my implementation file, I start implementing the function, because I'm using Visual Studio, I can right-click and it'll add the right line to my header file. Seems like a simple idea to me. (laughs) It's actually pretty complicated for reasons I'm going to spare you that have to do with multiple inheritance and what you're overriding from and that kind of thing. Oh, my. But... Yeah, some of these problems are harder to solve. She said multiple so- inheritance, and I immediately had the reflex to stick my fingers in my ear and go, la, 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 la. Right. I was on a call, an MVP call, many years ago with a team, and someone said, why don't you do X? It doesn't matter what X was. And the team member said, well, if you have multiple inheritance, we don't always get it right, and this is hard, and that's complicated. And someone said, do the simple part. Get it right 80% of the time. Right. The rest of the time, like, throw your hands in the air and say you can't do it. We'll be happy. And the team people were like, oh, well, that kind of cuts the Gordian knot. Like, (laughs) we could do that. Ah. (laughs) So they did that. We have, what about close enough? Could we have close enough? Yeah. Like, the perfect is the enemy of the good. 
Yeah. That's a that's another C plus plus model right there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is now? Uh, it must be that happy time again. Yep. It's time to pound header include humor dot h and change my V table to point to a pointer to a pointer to a pointer to a pointer to the punchline. <laughs> and now press run and. <laughs> Is that an oh. audible blue screen? Is that what I just heard? <laughs> no, that was my foot. <laughs> oh, you shot your foot. That's the real tagline. C++, it's your foot. <laughs> I think Miss Gregory it invented your that. foot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what would a C++ show be without an explosion? Nice. It's actually time to give away a Music to Code by complete collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Let me tell you about Music to Code by first, though. It's a set of 25-minute Pomodoro-sized, quiet and groovy instrumentals scientifically designed to promote focus. They'll get you into a state of flow and keep you there. And .NET Rocks fans are being more productive with Music to Code by every day. And now you can download the entire 13-track collection for only $39. So see what all the fuss is about. Check it out now at musictocodeby.net. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Kyle McGinn. Congratulations, Kyle. Yes. Golf clap for you, sir. Golf clap for Kyle. Kyle just won the Music Code by Collection. That's a big pile of awesome from me. Yeah. And uh, if you don't know what we just did there, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .net Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club, but you got to sign up to win, and gee, you just missed it. Yep. Last month. Yep. Uh, you got to sign up to win, of course, and we like to ask our guest, Kate, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology, what would you buy? I think I'd get my home automation project where I want it to be. Oh. I've got bits and pieces going on, and I'd just get a whole lot more stuff, and I'd fix some of the blockages that I have. Hmm. You know, I'd uh, I'd like X10, my... X10, Zigbee, what are you using? Uh, it's Insteon stuff. Insteon. And that's okay, but I got... Yeah, but I got issues like I have a motion detector in the driveway, but because of the length of my driveway, it's too far, so I need to get a booster, and I haven't gotten around to getting a booster. It, it's really annoying because it sometimes works and sometimes doesn't, so it's just enough to get you all excited, but then it doesn't work. But I'd <laughs> like the house lights uh, to all come on when a car comes up the driveway, that kind of thing, and it's super easy to do as long as the motion detector, you know, detects the motion. So yeah, uh, I've got teenagers, so I have an emotion detector. That's what I have. (laughs) It's it's leaking all over the place. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a bunch more things that I'd like to do if I could get around to it. And so I think if you buy $5,000 worth of junk, then you have a sense of duty that you have to go run around and install it as opposed to when you're just planning to buy it, you can put that off forever. So I would, uh, I would buy myself a great big to-do list and, uh, and get all that the way I want it. The uh, actually figuring out which $5,000 to spend, not a trivial part of the equation. That's right. I mean, at that, if I was doing it that way, I could start over. I could say, forget this stupid little motion detector that won't transmit all the way to, to my server. Let's see what else is out there and just buy all the different stuff hmm. and rip out the few things I have. I mean, I like what I have because I can sit inside and turn on the 
the heating mats that lead to the pool so I can go out when it's minus 30 and not get cold toes. <laughs> the rest of me notices, but my feet are happy. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah. Well, you live in a cold part of the world. I do. <laughs> I do. And I go out in bare feet when I need to. Nice. Yeah. With your coffee and Coca-Cola. <laughs> no. <laughs> First caffeine, then a swim, then come in and write some serious code. <laughs> okay. Nice. All right. So um, I imagine that C++ is really good for IoT devices just because of the limited power and maximum performance you can get, especially if you're doing something like, um, oh, uh, you know, computer vision or something that's a bit more processor intensive. Yes. Yeah. The embedded people, they're just so different uh, from the rest of us. Um one of them gave a talk, which I like to call, I love C++, just not the plus plus parts. <laughs> where he... That's pretty funny. That's awesome. Yeah. So he goes, he goes on about how you can't use templates and you can't use exceptions and you can't use this, that, and the other. And I was like, dude, you're just describing C. Like, just go off and use C. It'll be fine. But uh, that's perhaps a, a little unfair on my part. They are embracing some parts of C++. But the, you can meet these people who are like, oh, I can't use the standard library because the standard library sometimes calls new, as we just discussed, and that might throw an exception and I can't do anything that blah, blah. And you're like, what? What? You can't use the standard library? What's wrong with you? But yeah. they're in a you know really constrained environment in the embedded world. So Yeah, not, even that is too much. Um, drivers, are they written in C++? Or are they just written in C? Uh, it's a, it's again, a subset of C++. It is, right. it is done in C++, but it's the same kind of thing. You can't have exceptions. You can't have this, you can't have that. And you have to be aware of the side effects of what you're doing. Right. And in a modern C++, when talking to especially application developers, we're really trying to encourage them to reduce that mental burden. Like, yes, when you declare a string on the stack, technically the string on your behalf is newing up some other memory elsewhere and blah, blah, but that's not your problem. Don't right. think about it. Yeah. But it's if you're a, an embedded just, person, you have to think about it. You have to think about it. Yeah. Yes. So the, I mean, I do like the fact that there's just there there's just these exception cases, right? Certain things that are done a different way. In the meantime, there's this modernization movement that allows us to to build more software more easily with C++. So different kinds of C++ apps, they don't read the same. If I got you a page out of a driver and I got you a page out of somebody's embedded something and then I got you a page out of uh, something where the user is going to sit around and stare at the screen for a long time between button clicks. Right. Mm. The code would look almost like different languages. Yeah. Because of what features mm. you're using and not using. Right. Yeah. That, that's the distinction. So it was managed briefly in the first half, but managed C++, is it, is it amounted to anything? It seemed like a good idea at the time. So because C++ has at its core these na native libraries, whether they're the standard libraries or in the comment that you read, someone mentioned choosing C++ so they could get to OpenCV, which was an absolutely like the canonical example of how to, I need to choose this language so I can get these great libraries. You're always going to be ending up thunking down to native code. And so if you try to write your application in managed C++, you have all these uh, context switches or thunks between managed and unmanaged. And unless you control them, you have horrible, horrible perf. And so what actually... Yeah, every P invoke is a little sin, isn't it? Yeah, and the It Just Works um, interop, which got some better name, but I still love It Just Works, is a little bit better than P invoke, but still, there's a cost. Right. So 
if you're going to do it, you do it as a deliberately designed architected glue layer. Okay. So um, I did I did a WPF app, the and we did it with MVVM. So the model was native C plus plus a hundred percent. The view was C sharp, XAML, and the yeah. view model was managed C plus plus. Wow, that's wow. interesting. That is interesting. And it worked gorgeously. And that puts the performance in the right place, though, doesn't it? The engine was very, very performance sensitive. This was a performance benchmark app. Hmm. So the XAML was like the big go button and a control to show you literally there was a speedometer on it, hmm. <laughs> how you were doing in your benchmark. And the glue layer, which was managed C++, it not only served to control that thunking or that context switching, but it also did some uh, marshalling. So converting between, say, a native C++ standard string and a C-sharp system dot string, that kind of thing. Uh, there was nice. also some nonsense with dates that I don't want to ever go back to. But yeah. <laughs> None of us do, Kate. None of us do. <laughs> but I, I, I like oh, that the your layering basically controlled the amount of P invoking or it just working going on. Yes. Yeah, so so you're essentially using every technology for its best use, right? XAML is great at presentation layer, managed is great in the middle, you know, and uh, C++ for the performance stuff. It just makes sense to me. If you can pull it off, it, that's a great architecture. It was pretty logical. I'm not sure who else could have done it besides me, mm -hmm. um, but, but I... I sprinkled my little seeds of knowledge where I could so that other people uh, would see that as a, as a nice architectural solution. And it, it was a very high performing, I, you know, the person who was in, involved in the business end of it was on benchmark committees and really, really cared about perf and was super happy with the perf of the app. Yeah. And yet at the same time, we could go and buy that speedometer control from a control library right? and plunk it into our C-sharp XAML stuff, you know, trivially. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was that was very, very nice. To be able to do that. Well, and that's the trap you get into when you go down this path, right? Is like, I'm now building in a way where I have to roll everything myself, as opposed to I get to yeah. use third-party stuff and still be happy. Exactly. Because I, I don't want to build controls, and, and I am not a pixel-by-pixel -pixel person, never have been. And I think there's a lot of people in C++ world who are not a pixel-by-pixel -pixel person, and so being able to take advantage of that knowledge from someone else it's exactly the same as using the standard library for my collection or my string or whatever why should i have to know those those things i want to focus on whatever it is that my app does like making sure the nuclear reactor doesn't blow up or whatever yeah that's kind of important has the functional <laughs> world ever crossed paths with kate gregory functional programming uh i you know i read things and i sit in the back of a talk that isn't what I thought it was going to be and those sorts of things. And I, I certainly see some of the appeal, some of the interest in most of what I love about lambdas is what people love about functional. And they say putting lambdas in C++ is making it more functional. Yeah. Yep. I so I'm disagree. happy about all of that, but I'm not going to run off and start working in F sharp next year. Yeah. And is our C++ lambdas like C sharp lambdas? Yes and no. Uh, it being C++, we can control everything. So we can capture or close if you want, because it's a closure, by reference or by value. And if you capture by reference, you know, you're saving a copy and blah, 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 but you might have a dangling reference. And if you capture by value, well, then if the value is changed later, you're still stuck with the old value that you copied and so on. So um, 
that some of those quiz p- tricks that people do in C sharp where like you set up a lambda and then you pass it one and then you pass it two and then you pass it three and then you call it and it says three 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 and you're like wait what <laughs> but because it was a reference right yeah you can control that in C++ you can Absolutely. decide whether or not you want because that's what that's what we are right like we're totally control freaks and if there's two ways to do it Every other standards committee picks one and C++ is like, well, if you put this piece of punctuation in, you want the first one. And, you know, because that's what we do. (laughs) (laughs) But Kate, Kate, what if I want my C++ code to run in the browser? (laughs) (sighs) So I I have to tell you, you can do that. This is such a And I'm not, this is not an an endorsement. (laughs) I'm just going to tell you there's a product called wait, wait, Mscriptin. Wait. I was going to say C++ script. <laughs> <laughs> that would probably be a good name for, for it. Yeah. Okay, Mscriptin, you said? From the people. Mscriptin. Mscriptin. Scriptin. Like embolden, but with oh, script. And Mscriptin. Because never let it be said that, that C++ people won't let you do things that are bad for you. <laughs> That's your foot, after all. <laughs> it is your foot. <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm in awe that so this I exists. <laughs> yeah. I haven't come across the use case, but hey, if you like writing in C++ or you have a bunch of code that you'd like to copy and paste into something, but you need it to run in the browser, therefore it needs to be in JavaScript, you can transpile your C++ into JavaScript. Wow. Wow, it just yeah. gets shivers. Like, now you want to do this, right? And it's all open source. It's on GitHub. Of course it is. Everything's on GitHub. <laughs> the guidelines are on GitHub. The standard is on GitHub. Like, everything's on GitHub. Yeah. Wow, really? Yeah, I can't think of a good idea here. I can think of a whole bunch of bad ideas, though. Well, that's one of your strengths. There you go. Well, and it, I mean, right off the bat, they talk about the whole OpenGL to WebGL thing, which... That's interesting, right? When you think about render engines that you want to run in a browser. Yeah. And you've written pages and pages and pages of code. Yes. That's full of all those all those object names, all that, those concepts. Yeah. Just plunk it over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But JavaScript only goes so fast. Like, you're, you are going to pay a cost. Yes. But shipping is a feature. The shipping it sure is, is certainly is a feature, and I don't and I and I hate to to sort of leave it on this sort of gag almost gag note, but it's it's just an interesting reality that there's a strong thriving open source community around C plus plus that is exploring some interesting nooks and crannies of of uh, oh yeah from one from one end to the other. So you've got I mean that's a situation where you really can't care about perf because you're just showing it to a person who's trying to decide what to click or something and right. you don't have any idea what hardware it's running on. So you can't be a perf obsessive in that situation all the way to the other end of the scale where you have people who are worried about frame rate or who are worried about when the stock market opens or who are worried about fitting into a tiny memory space. And so that's what it can be hard to generalize about a language that is so broad. Yeah. A spectrum. Yeah. Well, and I want to be clear, Mscriptin was not a random prank by somebody. This project was started back in 2010. Wow. And there's like, there is a ton of contributors to it, you know, 200 plus contributors, 15,000 commits, like this is actually a going concern, although there hasn't been a lot of changes in the past year. 
If you live in that world, you need it. I, yep. I'm happy, I think, that I don't live in that world. <laughs> <laughs> you never dabbled in the JavaScripts, Kate? <sighs> have, you, have you seen that what talk, you know, where the person types perfectly ordinary things in JavaScript and gets back really strange answers? Oh, it's Gary Bernard. I, I yes. didn't get That's much, me coding. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't get much further than that. I'm like, yeah. Okay. I, you know, C++ is complicated, but it's at least complicated in a way that I have learned. <laughs> yeah, it's the devil you know. Yep. Yeah. Although it's much simpler now. It's much simpler now. And I'm hoping, too, that the projects like the core guidelines will also help to just steer people away from all, all the sharp edges and dangerous stuff. So to say, yeah, we left this keyword in the language so it's not to break old code, but it's not for you. Stop it. <laughs> I think that's some of the best advice you can give a C++ programmer. Do you have a very concise uh, blog post or something that you can show somebody in five or 10 minutes that will, you know, you can show a C sharp or VBnet developer that will sort of allay their fears about, about C++, you know, look, it's not so bad. Check this out. <laughs> I probably should. Um, I can't really think of one. I mean, that's the biggest problem is that Isn't it? the yeah. parts that people remember and hate, we don't use. Right. right. You know, like, I hate that stuff, too. That's why I don't do it anymore. Um, <laughs> well, it's almost like clear your mind and start at the beginning with your plural site videos of, like, contemporary C++ programming, and you'll just never have those pains again. But you're just the ambassador to lead us there because you've you've done C Sharp and you know about managed code and, and all of that stuff. So So you can speak our language. Heck, you've done VB, for crying out loud. So, you know, you can speak to everybody. I've done a everybody. lot of VB. <laughs> yeah. And it makes it easy to explain certain things. So if I want to explain lambdas to a, a, C, a C programmer, I have a long way to go. If I want to explain lambdas to a C sharp programmer, I'm like, you know, they're like lambdas, except <laughs> for this bit about the controlling the closure. Yeah. <laughs> and if I want to explain coroutines, which didn't quite make it into 17 and I hope will be in 20, again, to a C++ programmer, I have a ton of explaining to do. To a C sharp programmer, I say, it's a wait. Right. And they say, oh, good, await in C++. That's great. And we're done. They know how that works. Mm. Yes. And I, I don't have to explain it. Yeah. So one of the things that happened this century, you know, none of the C++ architects, the people who are on the committee, the people who build compilers, they don't live on islands with only other C++ programmers for their playmates. Mm. They are out in the world and they're like, hey, this thing in C Sharp is cool. And, and this thing from functional programming is cool. And heaven help us this thing from haskell is really cool and so they considered how they could get that into c++ mm. and so there's a lot of things going on that people will say well that's familiar i get that uh, good idea good for you congratulations for catching up to us from 10 years ago mm. and that's okay i'm yeah. happy with that right you have it now that's what matters yeah yeah so what's next where are you going what are you doing i'm gonna try to get a lot more cross-platform um i've spent a lot of time using Microsoft tools on Microsoft operating systems. And when I go and try to use Xcode on the Mac, I swear a lot. Mm. And, um, <laughs> and I say to myself, there must be a way, like one of these icons here must let me, whatever it is I'm trying to do. Yeah. And eventually maybe I find it or something. And I'd like to be pretty fluent um, across uh, three platforms, uh, Windows, Mac and Linux, mm. and with at least two, uh, if I can, two IDEs on each one. JetBrains is, is pretty good about offering me IDE choices as well as things like Xcode. And just, you know, be able to speak those languages. 
And so you're thinking C++ on all of these platforms, not something like a Xamarin. No, uh, 100%. Managed. C++ on all these platforms. Yeah. yeah. Because it is, it's there on all those platforms. Right. So for me, if I want to do Android development and iPhone development and Windows development, I'm not going to say Windows phone. I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, who would say that? No, I'm not going to say that. But I can do all of those in C++. But I can't do them all in C++ uh, without understanding a little bit about those other platforms. So while there are emulators in Visual Studio and so forth and so on, the reality is if you have no idea what it's like to be an iOS application and to use one, then how can you possibly try to write one? And that's right. my problem with all these um, bridges and automatic trans translators and whatnot. Mm. They end up producing things that don't look like whatever it is you're trying to write and don't behave like that because the person who wrote them has no idea how that OS works or yep. what that platform. You know, it's funny. I re it occurs to me, C++ has, has had this experience for a long time that it ran everywhere on different platforms with different libraries and you had to learn those things. And only now with C sharp Xamarin now running against the iOS platform, the Android platform, the C sharp people have that experience, but you know, so are the JavaScript people with stuff like node. It's like now you're living in a completely yes. different world. And I know you know your language, but you don't have a DOM anymore. Like you have a different runtime that you're living in and you need to understand it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. And you need to internalize whatever, it, whether it's architectural, whether it's visual, whether it's just how to be performant and not be silly and waste cycles. And there, those are different on every platform and they take time to learn. It's part of the, the effort. So that's kind of my 2017 goals is to be fluent on uh, you know multiple platforms and with multiple IDEs and tool sets. And then when I'm having coffee with someone who you know lives in a completely different compiler on a completely different platform, I'm not sitting there using only the words I know from my tooling. Right. I'm able to understand the words that they're saying as well. This is why I run an exchange server. <laughs> <laughs> Just to remind yourself what pain is like. That's right. Uh, pain, they live in pain and fear. <laughs> Man, oh man. Okay, it's been so awesome hanging out with you for an hour. We could, we could just hang out and talk all day. But uh, you I got could do that too. Places to go, people to see, code to write, caffeine to ingest. Thanks again. Thank you. All right. Been a slice. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a 